to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hello there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm your host, Oliver Banks. I'm a transformation specialist, and I work with retailers and brands to help accelerate transformation efforts. I guide and navigate teams and individuals through the complex and challenging journey of change, and I can help rescue those projects and programs that have unfortunately run into trouble. Ultimately, I help you drive your retail transformation. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 239, number 239. Now, there are many factors that form a successful transformation, but it's also important that any given transformation or change effort is built on a solid ground, a solid organisation. And so I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm going to be talking with another retail transformation specialist, a consultant, and also one of the world's top retail influencers. Today, we welcome Brandon Rayal onto the show. He's a trusted advisor with a ton of experience across retail, wholesale, and consumer-facing businesses, including strategy, operational improvement, profit optimization, technology, and organizational change experience. It's a little like looking in the mirror when I talk to Brandon, I have to be honest. He's worked for and in partnership with a number of Fortune 100 global companies with a deep understanding of the retail market and the consumer mindset as well, plus how these are evolving and changing. He partners with companies to identify and drive key initiatives forward and has a successful track record for a whole host of different transformations, ultimately leading to better profit, better performance, and a better customer experience. He's the author of a huge number of industry articles, appeared on a number of different podcasts, and like I was saying, he is one of the Rethink Retail Top 100 Global Influencers for the past three years, and also a Retail Wire Brain Trust member. So I'm really excited to jump into this topic with Brandon. Check out the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 239. That's obandco.uk slash 239. Find out more about Brandon and sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. With so much going on in the world of retail, this briefing is an email newsletter that keeps you up to speed in just a few minutes a week highlighting key transformation headlines with ideas, initiatives and innovations from across the world, all with the aim of inspiring you to transform better. Sign up for free to the Retail Transformation Briefing on the show notes, which once again, you can find at obandco.uk slash 239. So without further ado, let's jump into this fantastic conversation. Well, I'm delighted to welcome Brandon Rayel to the show. Brandon, thank you for joining me. How are things? 
it's always a pleasure to have these uh, conversations with you, and it's been quite a long time. Looking forward to what's going to be a really exciting discussion. Absolutely, absolutely. We're going to be talking about a really critical factor in transformation. Now, in the world of transformation, there are unfortunately many opportunities for challenges to crop up. You know, obviously at the stage of delivery and implementation, everything can go wrong. Finding the right solution is a big, important piece. But even earlier than that, it's important to have the organization ready for the transformation, ready to get started on whatever, new ways of working, new technology, new people processes and so on. What do we mean by having the organization ready, Brandon? First of all, to start the conversation, it's, it's no real start date to innovation or transformation. It's a continuous process. Yeah. And they're really intertwined with the corporate culture, which in my, in my mind begins from the top down, from the executive leadership down to permeate and socialize what that culture of innovation and transformation means. And there's a couple of pillars in my mind uh, that are critical. One, that your leadership provides a, a really safe place for innovation, meaning they enable and empower their teams to drive new capabilities, achieve incremental value, reduce cost, with the knowledge throughout the whole experience that they can fail and not be penalized for it. Yeah. Second, enabling and empowering the operational cross-functional teams that have full ownership. They own the process, they own the products, they define, they prioritize, and they sequence the transformation plans. And third, most importantly in my mind is to what, who are the recipients and define who are the recipients of the value. Are we providing value to the customer? Are we providing value to the associates? And how do we do this in a collaborative way of working where it's agile, product-centric, and moving from a project-based way of working, waterfall-like way, to a product-centric approach. So these are really the pillars and, and that are fundamental to getting the, getting the organization ready. That's really the first big step. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And just picking up on that third point in particular, yep. massively agree. I think you know it's the customer of the transformation, right? Which may or may not be the, the actual shopper, the consumer, as you say. Mm-hmm. Why do we miss this point? Why do we, as retailers, as Transformers, why do we not get that right all the time? The fact that a lot of organizations are playing catch up, especially legacy retailers mm. who have run things the same way for 20, 30, 40 years. They have legacy ways of working, tons of technical debt, and they're always in a constant state of catching up. And it really requires them to do these patchwork projects to just get up to date to chase next shiny, innovative idea versus a culture that's continuously improving, continuously transforming, evolving with the end game being what who is actually receiving the value. Mm. So once that connection is made where the retailer fully understands what the value is intended for, is intended to improve XYZ experience for the customer or XYZ process for the associate, and what is the value expected from that, and how, how are we going to reduce cost, how are we going to grow new revenue streams, and improve profitability. So that definition of the why is critical. Yes, definitely, definitely. Another point I wanted to pick up on was when you used the term safe place. Yes. Help expand that. I love I love the idea of this, so I wanted to dive in a little deeper. I think there's a, uh, especially in, in the States, there's a culture or a fear of failure. P.S. not just the United States, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking from personal experience, but yes, I think it's, a, it's a global phenomenon too. So I think there is a... You, you see in the startup community where they have to be bold, they have to be creative, they have to have a customer-centric, product-centric way. That's their whole existence is the customer. So startups and direct-to-consumer brands do, have done this quite well, mm. quite effectively. There is a fear or apprehension of failure because of the consequences, whether they're, whether they're actually articulated or not is a whole other question. 
But it all begins, what is the culture that leadership is defining? What is the, the mantra and what is the mission? Knowing that majority of innovations will not always be successful. Some will. But along the path, even for successful transformations, there's failure along the way, mm-hmm. which is where that the agile philosophy that you may fail, but ultimately you will get incremental value throughout. So it, it all begins with uh, providing a safe place, meaning you have ownership and accountability. This is your, yours, and you truly are aligned with the leadership team, and they provide you the tools, the capabilities, uh, the frameworks, and, and the, the accountability to drive things forward in a way that you feel like you, you can move forward without unintended consequences. Mm. So it's those legacy retailers and, and that, the, the legacy culture, as well as all of the legacy processes and systems and elements like that as well. Exactly, exactly. I think uh, the fear of failure is also, it really inhibits your, your courage to do bold and, and innovative things as a retailer or, or a brand or a grocer. I so t- totally agree. Totally on the same bus there. It's yes. really prohibitive. And actually, what I find about the fear of failure is it opens up our primitive brain a lot more and a lot of these sort of pre-evolved behaviours in terms of looking for how do we save our lives and, you know, even inciting yes. the whole fight or flight aspect of behaviour as well, which a little bit little bit different now we're faced with a meeting room or a video conference mm-hmm. versus a, a bear or something like that from uh, prehistoric times. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Uh, the flight or flight uh, or the adrenaline rush that associated with the fear of failure, it really inhibits your ability to be innovative and strategic and you do things more tactically to avoid failure. So once that those boundaries are no longer there and that those the opportunity to succeed, the opportunity to do innovative things without without uh, consequences. Mm. Of course, if there are uh, if there are levels of of confidence and thing, and you aren't aren't successful, what you do is a whole different conversation. But majority of innovations or ideas can potentially fail, and that's expected as part of the process, as part of the journey. Yeah, and then that really allows you that freedom and that, that philosophy where you can fail, but you also could continuously improve, and next time around you'll get it right. Yep. So, I mean, we've touched on some of the what happens if scenarios in, in that mm-hmm. little conversation there, Brandon. But let's just spell it out really clearly. If we do not have this organization ready, if we do not have aspects like a safe place, for example. Sure. What happens? What what do we see? What does it look like? It looks like a an organization that's, that's not going to ultimately succeed. So if there are no clear articulation what that North Star is, what the executive mission statements are, and what, what are they actually looking to achieve, then transformations will ultimately fail. Mm. That's like we talked about, the lack of buy-in, yep. the lack of a safe place, lack of a clear ownership and accountability, where the teams are actually doing the operational work and defining the strategies for each each pillar of the organization. So rather than focusing on, like we mentioned earlier, unlocking value for associates, customers, enhancing the revenue streams, teams will be perpetually racing to play catch up mm. and chasing that next shiny innovation feature, not taking care of the foundational fundamental issues in the organization and not achieving the transformation goals. So it's absolutely critical to put all that significant work in the, uh, in the upfront and ensure that your organization has the right team and capabilities to drive things forward. But it all starts from the executive leadership on downward. Yeah. Let's, let's touch on that significant work then to put the foundations into place. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say, I'm in an organization where I recognize some of those things, you know, I see the next innovation, you know, whether it's, right. you know, metaverse, whether it's AI, whether it's AR yes. lenses, whatever it is. And, oh, yes, I want that, please. And I'm sort of dotting and diving in between. I've got this sort of aspect 
and underlying themes of fear of failure and so on. How do I begin mm. to overcome that? What is, it, what is it I need to do to, I suppose, transform the organization to be ready for mm-hmm. bigger transformation? Great question, Ali. I think it's um, consulting companies always ask their clients to disrupt their organization. <laughs> and and that works both ways. Consulting companies do the same thing. So organizations, in particular like retail, they have to take an honest, objective look at their talent and ensure that they have the right capabilities, the right team, the right talent to drive transformations forward. It takes a real personality to be resilient, to be adaptive, to be flexible, to operate in the sea of ambiguity that transformations are mm. really associated with, to really define the strategic plans. And what we've seen is the work we've done is that the if there are long-term professionals who, who are really biased in terms of uh, how they view transformations and particularly transformations that have failed in the past for the reasons we identified earlier, mm-hmm. they might be the ideal leaders to drive the company forward, especially all the ambiguity, the friction, the challenges, the uh, the pain mm-hmm. of social transformation to unlock that value. And they might be part of the team moving forward. So there might be some tough conversations of potentially seeking new talent outside with outside perspectives on what the best-in-class capabilities are, who's done this well. And we've seen this time and time again with retailers and brands and grocers have brought in outside talent in to enhance and improve their the capabilities and the leadership. So it, I think we both know that there's a particular character trait and personality trait required for a successful transformation to take place. Not everyone has this ability to do so. Yes. And unfortunately, they, they may be part of the training moving forward. So yes, that's where it's at. Uh, absolutely. And I think it's... It's an interesting and complicated conversation to to have, right? Yes. In terms of some of these individuals may be the superstars of yesteryear, right? They may have perhaps grown the business enormously and it's their mm-hmm. vigor, their passion, ultimately their, their previous commitment, but it's now an evolution from that place to the next place, right? Correct. I, I'm a big believer in any organization that actually the profile of person that takes you from mm-hmm. A to B might not be the person that takes you from B to C and so on. And you see that different yep. CEOs, etc., and, mm-hmm. and every other role as well, by the way. Exactly. But there might be some value if they're willing to adapt and change mm. and evolve with the, change, with the times. They have such rich institutional knowledge of how the company runs yes. and then how the, and, and the relationships required to, to uh, really drive things forward. So there's a way to retain this knowledge, retain these people and the value they bring and they're willing to shift the way they work and the way they think, the way they collaborate, then that's probably part of the evolution that organizations should do r- rather than do a full sweep of the organization and bring all outside and talent. Because in, in, the re- in the reality, there's a lot of legacy processes and legacy systems mm. and ways of doing things that, that you really need to account for before you become this customer-first, product-centric organization. There's a lot of work to be done. Yes. Yeah, again, to- totally agree with you. And I suppose the, the changing skill set of the senior mm-hmm. leader and the attributes and characteristics of those individuals to drive a transformation forward. It's a really exactly. quite a unique, quite a sort of a rare mix of different skills. You've certainly touched on some of them mm-hmm. already, which is, yeah, it's, it's difficult. But actually, if you are intentional about that, I absolutely believe mm-hmm. every single one of them is, shall we say, learnable. <laughs> <laughs> it can exactly. be developed. It's not you either have it or you don't, which some some skills are, mm-hmm. arguably. You've got to identify what it is you want to do, and you've got to go after that really clearly. Totally agree. So some of these changes are quite big, fundamental shifts that you might need to go through, right, to lay the foundations. How, mm-hmm. how do you go about 
putting this into place? How do you go about planning it all out, especially with the added bonus that you may have shareholders or other stakeholders saying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now, now, now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Great question. It's not an easy one because you're dealing with organizations that are dealing with the day-to-day responsibilities and keeping the business afloat. So that that is a taxing and, and consumes most of the time. So the ability yeah. to move from tactical to strategic is a hard one and to balance those two. So again, it goes back to being who are the right team members to that can be flexible, adaptable, who can prioritize and see what that roadmap looks like for the future to unlock incremental value. The process could take weeks or months, depending on the level of importance of the organization. Mm. And what we're typically seeing is you'll have these large strategic in, in-person sessions. And it could be 50 people, 100 people that crosses the entire organization where you you have the, the team leads or the tower leads really articulate what their short-term plans are, what their obstacles are, where the leadership can lean in and help, what's the, uh, the challenges facing, and what is the two-by-two two matrix of the the cost value, I mean three by three, and the complexity of the of the work they're leading, mm. and then do the same thing for the three to five year plans, transformation plans, because those, as we know, with a, with a rigid change in the world, may ch- will can will change mm. uh, very quickly. So by doing that, then bringing everyone together and ha- ensuring that the the C suite, SVP, CVPs are there to be part of the process, and then have the teams actually articulate: here's our short term plans, here's our long term plans. And then have them collaborate with the cross-functional teams and challenge each other and see where there are synergies, mm-hmm. see where there are dependencies, see how can we move together as a team. Because it takes everyone out of their silos in this in-person meeting. It's usually a big day planning or it's a big strategy event or something of that nature, which takes you out of your comfort zone, which is an additional effort, mm-hmm. but so critical to building trust and confidence and building relationships across the company with people you don't normally associate with on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. But having that visibility and connection with the C-suite executives is critical as well, because you'll hear more about the why. You know, and I think we'll get to that next, yeah. the purpose of the transformation. What are we looking to achieve? How does your particular area of the organization align with these? And what, what are the things that you can do at your level to help unlock value, reduce costs, and, and better serve customers and associates? So I said a lot there, but I think it's uh, it takes that amount of effort and to really help transform organizations. Yeah. And then after all that's done, after that day that day together is done, really defying, prioritizing the sequence and then drive accountability, who's actually going to lead this forward? We said we'll do these three to five things per area, go and, go and actually build a business case for them and start the work. Mm. It's really interesting. Where, in your sort of rich experience of, of helping companies through this mm-hmm. process, where have you seen the biggest challenges with that whole process, you know, particularly thinking about the silo walls, thinking about mm-hmm. getting people out of their comfort zone, as you were explaining. But- multiple, uh, multiple friction points. <laughs> oh, rats. <laughs> I, 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 I lived through this firsthand because you're dealing with uh, time-strapped in professionals who, especially in the retail industry, as you know, just, it's such a margin-compressed margin business and there's such intense pressures to keep things moving from an inventory standpoint to better address customer behaviors, to shift your model, operating models, so to get them out of that zone of being tactical and a little bit strategic mm-hmm. to being really visionary is, is a challenge. It's, it's, a, it's a, uh, a thought process evolution in my mind. And you can get there once you, they buy in. One, two, they have accountability ownership. Three, they have a clear understanding of the why and the purpose of what they're doing mm. and how their contributions are helping to lead to the next stage, next three to five years of the organization. Yeah, But buying is everything. And people will find the time when they are given accountability and ownership and 
in a safe place, which is, is critical. Yep. Yep. You've hinted at the why. We know it's important, but why? Is it important? Uh, it's everything. I think there was an old Simon Sinek YouTube video like, like 15 years ago already. Yeah. Is it that uh, long ago already? Gosh. <laughs> I don't remember. It's like one of those really old videos on YouTube. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's, he says it well. I mean, you have to start with the end in mind, the mission. What, why are we here? You know, and that's one of the most common questions I get as a, on the consulting and, and trusted advisor side is, what is, what is my role here? What's my purpose here? What are we, what are we achieving? Who is who actually getting the value? So without a defined, clearly defined, articulated why, transformations are doomed to fail from the start. Mm-hmm. So I think we talked about earlier, every transformation should have a defined North Star, a mission statement, agreed to from the steering committee, from the shareholders on downward. How do we, how does the organization want to look moving forward in the next uh, year or three to five years? And then once that's really clearly defined, how, how does the executive team socialize that down and make sure that the the tower leads or the, the leadership team actually executing at this mm. really understands the why and the purpose. And then they, they can take ownership, the tower leads of prioritizing the sequencing of work, aligning with the why and the mission statement and the other stars. So this is probably the most complex area mm. because you're, it creates a lot of disruption and a lot of what, what was previously invested in, in terms of the roadmap will shift. Once that, that happens, then it requires a, a different approach and, and a more agile way of working, more collaborative way of working. Yeah, definitely. Again, let's let's think about why it's challenging to to define this. Often, I've come across companies where there are actually many whys, and that's right. created, you know, ten different transformation efforts all at once, all perfectly valid, and the whys are reasonable. <laughs> right, but that it causes the overwhelm. Is is that the biggest danger, or is it more about a why that doesn't make sense, or you don't get it, or is too fluffy and woolly? What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, Ali, this is a delicate balance. I mean, it's, I think, uh, Nike with the Just Do It campaign and, and Amazon with their relentless innovation, and it's always day one approach, does permeate the organization. that you, If you join these organizations, you're going to be part of a really innovative, mm. progressive company that's going to take on risk and isn't, doesn't fear failure. So the upfront work to take these fluffy mission statements, something that's tangible, we are going to grow to a $50 billion company and reduce costs by X amount and improve our gross margin evident by this by better serving customers and being the XYZ of choice yep. in the marketplace. So it, and then from there, it's more tangible and more real. Okay. I can help unlock value in my supply chain group or my store operations group. I can help increase revenues by leveraging these new capabilities technologies. I can help increase inventory term with, with micro fulfillment or e-commerce. So then, then that gets translated and permeated down for the organization to really tangible objective uh, purpose statements. Mm -hmm. And again, one of the challenges, I suppose, with this area is that you might think you're doing that, right? You might think, oh, I know I've, you know, perhaps I'm sitting in the C-suite. I've got a perfectly clear set of whys and missions and, you know, it's all aligned. But actually then when you peel the onion further down the organization, suddenly it's not quite so clear. What's happening in this instance? It's a probably classic case of loss in translation mm-hmm. or just uh, the bias view that this a supply chain expert may have or retail operations or merchandising team member may have and trying to in- interpret or assess what really is, what does it mean for them? What's it mean for me? And that will require some engagement and conversation, mm-hmm. you know, that leadership team has to connect with, with these leaders within the organization to ensure they're aligned and they understand the purpose and what their what their organizational area can do 
to help achieve these goals. So it will take more, more upfront work and more alignment. But in my mind, all those investments are, are critical because it will create a culture of innovation where it's continuous, where you may fail, but you also provide incremental value throughout with the long-term goals in mind. Mm. So, I mean, we've touched on loads of different aspects of, I suppose, getting ready for transformation. Yes. If you were sure. if you were to give retailers and brands a single piece of advice or a single takeaway from from our time together, Brandon, what what would it be? Do you think where where should you start? <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest advice I can give retailers and brands is uh, do what's right by your organization that will really help resonate with your customers, attract new ones, and attract the best talent in your organization, and align with your mission statement. As an organization, I think uh, there are a lot of retailers and brands I've worked with have been in a perpetual state of chasing that next innovation, shiny object, but never forget about the fundamental foundational capabilities you need to hold the house up, to hold up this new way of working. It includes change management, collaboration models, uh, moving from a project-centric to product-centric agile way of working to provide that safe place, collaborative place. And then really empower your teams and give the accountability the teams need to fully own the process. It's not a simple endeavor, but it's necessary. It's painful, but there are significant benefits that come out of this. Uh, so it's it's a loaded question, but I certainly believe it's a it's a journey. It's not a, it's a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. Over time. And you say you know there's a lot of work and it can be painful. And it's probably less work and less painful than if you don't, right? <laughs> Correct. The first time you do a big day planning event, a strategy event, and all the prep work involved that, and the ambiguity and the friction, the frustration, mm. the great news, Ollie, is next time around, there'll be lessons learned. Yeah. You'll continuously improve. Next time, it'll be a lot more efficient, effective, and value-centric. So yeah. it's that first hurdle. It, it know, is. Just keeping with the sort of the athletics theme, should we say? <laughs> yeah. You know, yes, yes. if you were running a marathon, you wouldn't just say, right, I'm going to run a marathon today and set off, right? Because um, no. <laughs> you know yes. what would happen a, a few yeah. miles down the road. Right? <laughs> You'd have to put in, you know, the paces over the, you know, weeks and months prior to it. But then actually Correct. you can run and you, you know, it's still tough, but exactly. it's significantly easier. And actually, once you've done one, a second marathon having never run one, <laughs> I might add. <laughs> I imagine the second marathon might feel a little easier. <laughs> yes, it, it would be. It, you get that endurance and that uh, that personality, that awareness of what could happen. And, and adaptability is key. You know, it's uh, things aren't clearly defined. You're in a sea of ambiguity. You're in a sea of chaos. And then but somehow at the end, you come out of it with a prioritizing the sequence transformation plan as fully integrated. So all that work is worth it in my mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been such a fantastic conversation, Brandon. Um, I've loved every moment. How can people find out more? How can they get in touch and continue on the conversation? Yes. Thank you, Ollie. I can be found on LinkedIn. I do quite a bit of uh, content development and brand and rail at LinkedIn. Feel free to follow me there. A lot of perspectives on retail, customer experience, on brands and grocers and innovation. I even touch on AI, which everyone else does. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not? I'm part of the Rethink Retail along with you, top 100 global influencers. So that's been a great organization to be a part of. And I'm also a consistent presence on Retail Wire. And I do the podcast, the podcast circuit with folks like amazing people like you. So absolutely. And uh, that's it. Well, we'll put, put some of those links and in particular, your LinkedIn profile on the show notes today so people can reach out and send you a message. 
So, Brandon, Always. thank you so much for joining me here on the Retail Transformation Show. It's been a real blast, a real pleasure. A pleasure, Ollie. Anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you. A brilliant conversation there with Brandon Rayal. Definitely one of those topics we could have exploded into a really long podcast. <laughs> so if you do want to continue the conversation, either reach out to Brandon or feel free to reach out to myself as well. You'll find both of our profiles on the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 239. And also on those show notes, sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, as I mentioned earlier, to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the world of retail and how it is evolving and changing. Additionally, you're going to find three suggested episodes to listen to next picking up on some of the themes that we covered in today's conversation. There are loads of episodes in the archives. Do take a scroll through. But like I say, here are three to get you started. In episode 235, I enjoyed speaking with Trevelyan Collier from EY. And we were talking about profit warnings and transformation. We also touched on silos and the challenges with silos So join me for an episode a little while ago, episode 93. So a little bit of scrolling to find that one. Episode 93, and we were talking about rethinking silos there. So taking a slightly different perspective, what if silos are not bad? Check that one out, episode 93. And finally, in episode 182, number 182, you can find out how to overcome stress with science. There's a huge amount of different chemistry and biology going on in our heads through the whole process of transformation. And this can bleed out into many different forms, often bucketed under the generic term of stress. So do check out that episode. I'm going to put all three of those suggested episodes on the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 239. Thank you so much for tuning in today for our conversation with Brandon Rayal. I do hope you enjoyed it and I look forward to catching you on another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very, very soon. Bye for now.